Welcome to In the Key of D, using digital to transform your business, a show that explores why digital matters and how it helps entrepreneurs, business leaders, and digital professionals make their businesses better. I'm your host, Kathy Hollenhorst, president of Creatus, and I'm joined by my co-host, Gino Giovanelli, who is a leading digital marketing expert and an award-winning professor at the University of St. Thomas. In the Key of D is proudly sponsored by Creatus, the go-to digital and creative marketing firm that helps companies get more work done. And now, as part of the 24-7 family of businesses, Creatus offers an even broader range of services, including temporary and permanent staffing, and of course, continued outsourced project work from the Creatus studio. Welcome everyone to today's episode which will be a great discussion and deep dive into the digital strategy aspect of digital transformation and how companies can organize themselves to take full advantage of what digital transformation has to offer. Joining us to do all that is Jim Keane, who is the CEO and founder of Farron, which is a business consultancy that provides advice, strategy, and talent solutions to companies undergoing digital transformations. Prior to Farron, Jim was partner and president of Gokart Labs, an award-winning digital innovation firm in Minneapolis, which he joined after seven years with General Mills, where he led the Digital Marketing Center of Excellence, which provided strategy and support for all brand digital marketing efforts across General Mills, which is really impressive. Uh, before that, Jim was VP of Interactive Strategy at Ameriprise Financial and president of Cicerone Interactive. Education-wise, Jim holds a master's degree from Purdue University and received a BA in entrepreneurship from, of course, the University of St. Thomas. So I'm guessing your paths have crossed with Jim a few times, Gino. Oh, yeah, Kathy. Uh, Jim and I, we go way back to his days at Go-Kart Labs when we worked on the Super Bowl 2018 website together. And I think I met Jim earlier even than that when he was at General Mills. So super excited to have Jim on the program today. Uh, Welcome to our show. Thanks, Gino. Thanks, Kathy. Gino, actually, we go back even before the General Mills days. I knew you and Jay ah, when yes. you guys were working at Carlson Marketing Group back in the day. Ah, was that when you were at Cicerone? That was when I was at Cicerone, yeah. Got it. Wow. So it does go. We do? We're going like 20, 20 something years back. Well, it's going to be a great conversation. Think, think how much we have to talk about. This will be it's great. It's been so long, I don't remember some of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jim, let's get started. And I mentioned you have an incredible background working with some pretty amazing companies. So, Tell us uh, what inspired you to start your own business consultancy. Well, I grew up the son of a small business owner, and I saw how um, how much small businesses can really make an impact in their communities and how much small businesses can impact larger organizations. And I was always inspired by that. And then, um, you know, when I was working at Go-Kart, I was really inspired by Don Smithmeyer, the founder of Go-Kart, and their commitment to um, the importance of you know, essentially $10 million companies. So the smaller organizations that are are really the driving force of American business. And um, lastly, I I knew that uh, given my my area of studies, I I eventually had to pull the trigger at some point and do it and um, figured now would be the best time. Finally, there's there's also uh, a real professional reason, which we can talk about as we get into digital transformation. And and the short answer is... um, I think large organizations need an outside stimulus to 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 really energize their their transformational efforts. Interesting. And and Jim, I don't know if you remember this. Uh, was it four years ago? You and I had lunch together when you unveiled this vision you had 
for Farron. Um, has, the, has the company turned into what you thought it would be? And what were some of the challenges you went through uh, to get to where you are today? Yeah, in some ways, um, it is different than what we thought it was going to be. In other ways, it's pretty much what we hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so either that is because we've been really focused and disciplined and sticking to the plan, or we've been um, obstinate and stubborn and haven't <laughs> pursued <laughs> opportunities. I'm not exactly sure which it is. So, you know, when we started out, the idea was to help organizations that are in transition. And we were thinking specifically of digital transformation at the time. Sure. But orgs that are in transition, and our idea was to help them accelerate that transition in three ways. One was to provide some advisory or strategic um, work on key projects up front to make sure that there was a clear plan. Second, to help them uh, build out or augment or flesh out their leadership teams to um, help drive that transformation faster. And then finally, to provide some executive search services to find the permanent players that would take the org to the next, uh, to sort of the next stage. And those were the three pain points that I saw pretty clearly when I was at Go-Kart. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really see anybody um, sort of filling those gaps at the director and VP level like we wanted to. And so that's what we started out to do in the first place. And in a lot of ways, that is the vision that we're still working under. It's been interesting for Gino and I, with all of our guests, we have them define uh, what digital transformation means. Um, And everyone describes it a little differently. So let's have you go there for us, Jim. How do you define digital transformation? You know, you would think that after doing the work that I've done for my whole life and being in the business for the last, you know, four years, you would think that I'd have a really, really good answer that is tightly (laughs) defined and super tuned. We were hoping. So yeah, um, don't hold your breath. I've, I've got, I've got a couple answers. The, the pithy answer would be digital transformation is when orgs upgrade, upgrade the operating system of their organization and their hardware. So it's, it's less about, you know, more digital. It's more about changing the way that you work and changing the tools and capabilities that you've got inside. I think the more serious answer is where organizations reposition themselves um, to take advantage of the opportunities that are available to them now as the economy and as the world has rewired itself um, to be more digital. And so it's a matter of them pursuing opportunities, but also then looking for ways to invest to sustain the core of their business where it makes sense, where the rubber really hits the road and the actual work inside of a lot of organizations is going to sound really familiar to you too, but it's, it's where um, organizations are rethinking their business models um, and looking for ways to innovate through new products, new business models, new ways of working. Number two, it's where they're designing a differentiated consumer experience mm-hmm. to make it easier to work with them and make it easier to connect with their consumers and reach them in different ways. Uh, number three is it's, it's where organizations are transforming by accelerating investments in key capabilities. And that typically takes the shape of uh, a step up in social media and content. I haven't really talked too much about tech yet because I see that as the, the real enabler because ultimately the real transformation happens at the cultural level um, where there's a cultural renovation that has to go on, where organizations seek to bring in um, a sense of uh, curiosity and consumer centricity and a little bit of resilience. Some might call it agility 
And they do that typically by resetting the skills in the organization or bringing in new talent and new mindset from the outside through their hiring practices or their training practices, and ultimately trying to think and act differently to enable the kind of speed that will transform their org. So the, I guess the, the, here's the payoff question. Like, what, what are the biggest upsides for companies doing digital transformation? And then, Jim, what, what do you think are the things that are holding them back from embracing it and being able to, to adopt it? Ultimately, I think the biggest upside yep. is a better understanding of ways that they can meet their consumer and market needs faster in a more um, beneficial way. And by beneficial, I mean it either costs less or it returns more or it's more efficient or it's creating a, a long-term advantage for the org. Yep. But really the upside is how do I get closer to the consumers and how do I serve them better? Um, I, I, you know, I obviously learned from, you know, maybe one of the best CMOs of the last 25 years by watching Mark Addix at General Mills really closely. And yep. all I watched him do every day is ask the question, how can we understand the consumer's needs better and serve them better and be a better uh, partner to them? And so I think the real upside for organizations that are trying to transform uh, digitally is that they get closer to their consumers and they become more meaningful to their consumers because they serve them better. I want to go back to what you said on the intro about large organizations need an outside stimulus to drive digital transformation. Comment a little bit more on that. And I'm going to try to do it without, um, without throwing large orgs under the bus. That's right. But yeah. um, I think we were all trained there, so we're very yeah. grateful. And they are your customers. <laughs> well, they are. And, and I... You know, I think maybe a different topic would be, uh, you know, let's show a little respect for the middle managers of large orgs. But, um, you know, it, it's very, very easy to get locked into the norms and the rituals and the expectations and the patterns that make large organizations go. And it's very easy to tune your focus on what's going to advance you and your team and your people inside of large organizations. And I also think it's hard to be courageous and talk about the things that are hard to talk about inside of large organizations. And so sometimes an outside partner can help you do that in, in ways that might not seem as obvious. So the obvious ways are an outside partner can show you a new way to think about things. It can give you new frameworks to use to explain them. It can bring an outside partner can bring best practices to your organization. But in a lot of ways, that one of the most valuable roles that an outside partner plays is just hitting you right between the eyes with the hard truths of the situation that you're in, and then kind of supporting you intellectually and emotionally and creatively to make that case inside. So it's that. Something's got to create the breakthrough, um, and, and an external partner can do that. And I also think that um, an outside partner can bring a level of energy and urgency to problems that might seem in, intractable inside of large orgs. It also applies having that external outside partner for medium and small, because we need outside expertise. Because if you're the entrepreneur, you're trying to do it all, and then you need third parties to help you do it faster. So it really applies at all levels. But it is fascinating, your comments in the large companies. Well, that's, that's actually a really critical point. And, um, you know, Gino, you had asked about are things that, you know, is, is Farron kind of living out the vision that I mm -hmm. thought we mm -hmm. were going to live out when I started? And 
I'm going to tie a couple points together. When I thought, when we started, I thought we would be doing more sort of higher up in the chain, executive boardroom sorts of talks about it's time for digital transformation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of me that kind of enjoys those talks and <laughs> enjoys making that case. But Kathy, I mean, to be really transparent, the, the majority of our work, and I would say the most meaningful work that we've been doing is kind of rallying around bold or courageous or innovative leaders at the, in the middle of the org and helping their teams do important work in meaningful ways. So it really has been, I don't want to call it augmentation because that makes it sound like, you know, just get me a warm body, uh-huh. but it's, it's been a, the, the joy of our work has been finding the people that are really trying to make something important happen and then doing everything we can with all of our experience to help them do it. And, and so, you know, making a change from the middle has been um, way more rewarding than we thought it was going to be. Oh, I like that. Making the change from the middle. We're going to talk some more uh, people in just a minute. I, let's talk about the last 18 months, <laughs> which has been uh, a really interesting business environment for companies of all size. Our listeners, big companies, medium size, small. So as you've been working with your clients, uh, what kind of shifts have you seen in, in the companies you've been working with over, the, over these last 18 months? And now as to some degree, things are getting a bit back to normal. Over the last 18 months, we've been in a position of, of talking with orgs that are trying to um, accelerate or shift to innovation or double down or try to create breakthrough. And that's really been exciting. So that part has been really rewarding. Um, as a small business owner, uh, you know, we're all working remote and it's fatiguing um, trying to work remote when so much of our work requires real close collaboration around a whiteboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the other piece is, um, you know, the work that we do it requires a level of empathy and you just sort of naturally pick up on the fatigue and the, the resignation that people have of just the, the, the duration of what we're in. And so, you know, it, we, we have to play cheerleaders a little bit. Um, and, and try to sustain the energy for change. And, and that on a personal level can be a little draining, but it's also the role that we have to play as the outside collaborator. Okay. So I want to, I want to jump on this notion that what I'm hearing, Jim, is that it's, it's, a, it's a B to B to C kind of arrangement. You're talking a lot about how your business helps other businesses to innovate and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's gotta be for just to serve the needs of the customers of your clients. And yes. I'm, just, I'm just curious what, are the key changes that you're hearing that the clients' customers need uh, and, and how can digital transformation bring that about? So I think if I had to make a theme yep. um, for the, the work that we're doing, it is all tuned at trying to streamline the experience that consumers are having with clients mm-hmm. as an organization. Okay. So make it easier to find them, make it easier to understand them, make them easier, make it easier to sign up to work with them, make it easier to use their offerings, make it easier to um, weave those offerings into their lives, make it easier to solve problems. So it's om- almost yeah. every situation where we're being engaged, it's yeah. about creating a more streamlined consumer experience okay. um, in collaboration with our, our clients inside. Got it. Jim, let's pivot. I want to go to that, you know, on the human resourcing side of things, which of course is near and dear to both of our hearts and near and dear to Creatus. Um, 
how is how is your company helping set up marketing and digital project team structures, structures or processes that then get them more in line with those changing consumer needs? Yeah. Um, so this will take us back, you know, to that, that lunch. You know, yeah. when we started Farron, I thought the majority of our work was going to be helping organizations reset their marketing teams to accelerate some sort of digital transformation. Right. Because that was the work that I did at Ameriprise in a lot of ways. That was the work that I did at General Mills in a lot of ways. And I thought we'd just be doing more of that. Got it. In reality, just about every marketer that we're talking to or that we've talked to is being challenged by more of either a startup, like I need to add this new piece of my marketing mix into, into our program. So whether it's, I got to do better with content marketing, or I got to do better with um, account-based marketing, or I got to do better with um, a different approach to CRM, or they're trying to optimize. And so our original thought of like, let's help you set up a new, a new approach to digital marketing um, hasn't been the work that we've been doing. We're helping marketing teams get the rest of the org to transform along with the work that marketing has already done. I hope that made sense. It did. Kathy, do you have a, look like you have a follow-up question? I'm, okay. it, it's fascinating because having sat in that chair a little bit <laughs> of that yeah. marketer when you're trying to drive that change. So what I, I think I heard you say, and Earlier, you said, too, you know, the tech is the real enabler, the platforms, but the transformation happens at the cultural level. And it's having that maybe that middle management marketing influencer who then can really help engage with the tech team or the, um, the IT department or the product development, everybody, operations, just to, to bring it all together and make it happen. And that's not going to happen quickly. So talk a little bit. Has, has it sped up a little bit, just given the external forces that are needing us to change more quickly? It's speeding up, but slowly. I mean, <laughs> you, 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 you both probably have seen the same patterns that we're working with. It's um, the marketing org has got to move at the speed of the consumers. Yeah. And so they're, they're resetting themselves and they're weaving in all the agile processes and they're, they're trying to move to be really responsive to the consumers. But a surprisingly large number of marketing organizations are still heavily reliant on an internal IT organization that is probably looking at an IT portfolio that is balanced between marketing, maintaining the email systems, supporting some servers, you know, the desktop software, you know, the ERP system. Yeah. And so they've got all these enterprise systems and they're trying to move at the pace of marketing. And a lot of our work now is with organizations specifically um, at that nexus of marketing and IT as IT is trying to set up an operating model that can match the pace in the in, in agility and resilience that marketing orgs have been investing in for the last 10 years. Fair point. So, so let, me, let me pivot here a little bit. You talked about the, the need to change both the technology and the culture. And change is hard, right? So um, one of the things all of our guests have spoken to is this need uh, that, that leadership is what is required to make changes, whether it's at the executive level. And I love how you've punched that we also got to pay attention to the middle uh, management level as well as the hands and feet that are, that are doing the work. So, so to practice what you preach, Jim, what are you doing from a leadership perspective within your company to drive change? And what are you coaching your clients to do to drive change? The, the things that I'm trying to do and that I'm coaching 
people that we work with to do now are, is to try to balance slow leadership with fast action. And by slow leadership, what I mean is taking the time to make sure that the plans are really clear and well understood, that the priorities are really clear and well understood, and, and people can feel them, that um, there's a level of intellectual and emotional buy-in to the plans and the priorities, mm. um, that as much as we can, the plans and uh, the, the yes and the no's are, are clear. Because if those, you know, if you don't have all of those things, if you don't have the buy-in, if people don't understand the priorities, if they don't understand the plan, if they don't understand the ultimate objectives and the strategies, they can never really go fast. But more Mm. importantly, that slow leadership, I think, is especially important now because people are feeling disconnected. They're sitting in their basements. (laughs) They're doing everything on Zoom. So that idea of like, I'm going to slow down and just make sure that we're talking to each other as humans and that we are um, connecting on an emotional and personal level, I think that's more important than it's ever been. Right, right. And I think the key is that it's not just slow leadership, but it's slow and steady leadership to have the stamina, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, I think steady is a good add to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think right now I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people say there, there's an emotional and a physical fatigue coming out of the last 18 months, but yet there's an intellectual energy. I think we're ready to re-engage and we want to get going, but, you know, and I loved your point, and I think you just, then it's leading with empathy, understanding where the other person is coming from and making sure that emotional clarity is always on the surface. But I'm feeling a lot of people, like, ready to get back in from their right. mind. They're just, they just got to get their emotions and their physicality to catch up, I think. Well, that's, at St. Thomas, we talk about like a jailbreak. It's like the students are so happy to be back in the classroom, they're, like, screaming to get in. There is this just, just passion now to just interact face-to-face and kind of get back to hopefully normal here. You know, for, for a lot of my time for the last three years or so, I am talking with people that are either considering or in the early stages of or fully committed to some sort of career change. Mm. Yes. And um, it, you, you don't have to scratch very hard to get people to talk about the disillusionment, disillusionment that they have about the nature of their job and the nature of the work. And so, um, but at the same time, Kathy, to your point about um, the curiosity, uh, I think people are realizing like there's never been a better time to build brands. There's never been a better time to be a marketer. There's never been a better time to um, try to make something important happen. They're just trying to figure out how do I get to the right situation to do that? So it's that mix of I'm excited, but I think I've had it with the old way of doing things. Right. And on that note, this is a perfect segue because, you know, as you are coaching individuals who are maybe just identifying they need to make a career change, or I know you've probably, I know you've done that your career. So for those listeners who are on that path, they want to move in, maybe become more of a digital leader. What advice do you have for them? I'm going to, I'm going to share a couple points, but I would acknowledge that, um, these, these are, uh, I could add five more, but, um, I try to talk to people about thinking of themselves as having a leadership stack, Mm -hmm. like a stack of things that they have to figure out. Um, and then there, so it starts with 
the professional skills and, and what are they doing on a regular basis to stay up to speed on what's going on in the market and going on in their space. And my advice there has been consistent for 15 years. It's create a space where you're regularly writing about what you're seeing in the market, because by writing about it, you, you have to process it and you have to form an opinion and it makes you a better communicator of the things that mm -hmm. you're seeing. And I also think that that creates a sense of curiosity. And um, I, I think especially in the digital slash digital marketing space, curiosity is a defining, maybe a critical skill for, for folks in the work that we do. So that's the professional side. I think that the next piece that I suggest you think about in your stack is your team leadership skills and how you are doing as a manager of people. I've, I've realized that um, I, I wish I could have a bunch of do-overs because I, I think of just how important that sort of team management and people management layer of your stack is. And I think as a leader, getting good at helping people figure out on your team what they want to do professionally is really critical and helping them build a sense of what is good and what isn't good. Their, their taste about the quality of the work that they're doing is, I think, a second piece that most managers don't do very well. And then the third piece of people management is getting good at constructive, supportive, but candid feedback. Okay, Jim, we do have a couple of wrap-up questions, which we will do in a minute. But first, we are going to pivot to our extremely fun and interesting part of the show, which we call Rapid Fire. Sound effects and all. So Gino and I will ask you some questions. You give us your rapid fire answers and that's it. So Jim, are you, are you ready? Yeah, but first of all, I got to ask, what, what was the source of those sound effects? Was that a laser? <laughs> yeah, we, we, have a, we have a laser in the studio. In the studio, it's good. I love okay. it. <laughs> all right, we, great. Just, we just vaporized our producer, by the way. <laughs> and he's back. All right, cool. All right, so yes, we, oh, we, have a whole, we have a whole kit of sound effects. So with that, Jim, are you ready? We're going to go. Let's go. All right, so, so somebody start the clock. So, Jim, if you weren't doing what you're doing today as a business leader, digital expert, what would you be? Probably uh, leading bike tours out west with mountain bikes. All right, uh, Mac or PC? PC. No, wait, sorry, Mac. Whoa, okay. You can go both. All right, Jim, what three words do you use to describe yourself? Uh, father, nice. husband, son. Nice. Very nice. What's your favorite adult beverage? Steel Toe Size 4. Okay. Okay. I like that. Oh, all right. This is a good one. What is your most interesting hidden talent? I know just about every plot point from 70s sitcoms. <laughs> all right. Uh, to end on our musical theme, who is your favorite band to see live in concert? Today or ever? Ever. Uh, it'd probably be Soul Asylum 1990. Perfect. Like in the in the early '90s, or or Wilco, in uh, any time. Okay. Oh, love it. All right. Well, there you have it. That's rapid. There you go. <laughs> rapid fire with Jim Keen. Jim, you win absolutely nothing for playing our game, but it was fun and it was nice to get to know you a little better. Thanks, Jim. Glad glad to be part of it. Do I get do I get a laser? <laughs> yes, we will get your laser. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, so just a couple wrap-up questions. Uh, first of which, how do you stay current on all things digital, Jim? The short answer is not very effectively. 
Um, the, the real answer is I probably are, am spending anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes a day reading newsletters, blogs, um, in, in, in conversation with people that help, help me stay smart. Any, um, any blogs or newsletters you, you want to name that we can throw in the show notes for other people to reference? Yeah, the, the, the ones that will probably, they'll probably have been mentioned already, but Ben Thompson writes a, a, a site called Stratechery, terrible mm-hmm. name, but probably the best piece of writing, you know, the best source of, of news on, on technology. Um, then there's a, a newer writer that I really admire, a guy named Packy McCormick, who's helping me. Uh, his his substack is called Not Boring. And he's helping me really understand what's coming next with crypto and, and the metaverse and whatever we want to call it next. Um, there's a guy named Andy Bio. He runs a, a little personal blog called Waxy.org that always has got an interesting take on things. And, um, and then, you know, for, on a daily basis, I'm looking at techmeme.com um, probably four or five times a day to see what the headlines are. Wonderful. I have not heard of those. So that is excellent. And it dovetails right into the next question, which is look into your crystal ball for us. What is the next big thing that our listeners and Gino and I should be on the lookout for in terms of digital? How far out into the future do you want to go? You go as far as you want. <laughs> um, so I, I think that what is happening right now with Broadly speaking, crypto, and I'm not talking about the sort of the the asset value of Bitcoin, but when you think about the ways of working that crypto is going to unlock, um, I truly think that that's going to be bigger than the internet. It's gonna it's gonna fundamentally change the way that most business gets done, um, and it's in the various early stages right now it's it's like the internet was in um 1990 Mm -hmm. uh but it's it's gonna be a a a seismic change in the way that business gets done if i had to look out the next two years for marketing leaders what i would say is um i would be paying attention to smaller private communities and the role that they can help you help play in building your brands. And then I would, I would tell marketing leaders to get really good at setting up their brand foundations in a way where they can um, tell great stories through motivating content built with credible individual creators. Excellent. Perfect. Good, good. Hey, Jim, if somebody would like to contact you to learn more, what is the best way for them to uh, reach you? Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Jay Keen. That's J-C-U-E-N-E. You can find me on LinkedIn, which is not my favorite platform. Um, you can learn more about uh, the company Farron at uh, hellofarron.com. That's hello, and then Farron is spelled F-A-H-R-E-N.com. Okay. Um, and those would be the best ways to find me. Perfect. And we will include the details of that contact um, information in our show notes to make it easier for listeners to access that. So that's it. Jim, fascinating. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. Thanks very much for the chance to talk with you. Yeah. Good to sync up with you again, Jim. It's been a long time. Yeah. Feels like yesterday. Oh, I love that. And as we said several times in the podcast, there was a lot to unpack. I've got some mm-hmm. notes, but Gina, what's, what are some of your takeaways? Yeah, I think I think that first one, that whole leadership stack yes. thing, I th- he framed that up so well. It's about 
number one, keeping up on what's happening. And, and the way he said to do that is to, is to look around and see what's happening and write it down. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about that. But when you write it down, what he said was, it forces us to process our, our thoughts. Um, and I think that's a great way to do it. Otherwise, you just observe things and you don't yeah. do anything. You, they, they just go in and out, right? Yeah. Um, that team leadership, that'll help people find out what they, what, they're, what they want to do, putting the team together to let people do what they're good at doing, uh, and then coaching them on feedback, which I think is a hard thing to do for people. There's a great podcast and book, another thing called Radical Candor. Mm-hmm. Uh, just has some phenomenal tips on just open and honest feedback, both receiving it and how do you give it and how do you receive it, kind of in that to help people move on by making sure that you are being open and honest with them. Yeah, so key, so key. And then that third part of the leadership stack was the, um, the practice of the skill of making tough decisions, which yeah. a lot of companies, just they choose not to decide. There's no way they can move forward. And it's hard to make those, especially hard to make the hard decisions. So I thought that that whole framework was, was really helpful. He had, had several excellent points around how transformation happens. So let me break them into two. But one is that transformation really does happen at the cultural level, not the technology right. level. I mean, right. technology is the key enabler. We all know that. Right. But it's the cultural level. So it's about him coaching his companies. And we all looking at how do you change how you do what you do. Right obviously enabled by technology. And part of that is the people side, which is resetting skills, helping right. people go to new places or potentially doing some hiring. Right, right. And every, just about every uh, guest we've asked, like what's holding back digital transformation, they, they usually say something related to the people. Mm-hmm. And that's culture, 100%. I think the lightning rod on digital transformation is it's about technology. And it rarely, it rarely is only about technology. So I thought he framed that well as well. Um, my second thing was this whole laser being focused on middle management. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of our, our, our guests in the past have talked about the need for this to be driven from the top down with good leadership. And we totally agree with that. Yeah. I think Jim was the first one to really call out that, okay, leadership might tell, or the execs might tell us we need to get to this new place. It's that middle management, uh, that are on the hook to actually make that happen. And, and so all the heat and light's really going to be on them. Yeah. Yeah. Every middle manager who is one of our listeners just said, finally, somebody to show that respect. And you and I have have led a lot of transformational change. And I look at it this way, too, is you do need that champion at the executive level. Right. Somebody who says, we are going to do this. And you have the endorsement of your board or whomever the most senior person is. Then you need those middle managers. I call, you know, you need that ideator. Right. The middle director or VP who can Mm -hmm. see it where you to get to that end that that executive wants you to get to. And then you need those refiners. Because sometimes those that come up with the ideas aren't necessarily all that good at moving it forward and refining it and moving it into action. Sure. To me, those are those champions on the middle. And then let's not forget the doers. Totally. Totally. The, new, the, the hands and feet that actually, yeah. that actually make it happen. Yeah. So, and it's the skill of bringing all of that talent together, mm-hmm. moving in the right direction, and then keeping it on track. And of course, in today's world, moving as fast as you can. Yep. Yep. Uh, third thing uh, that he called out was that need for that, uh, or what he said, large companies need outside partners to bring new ideas, new perspective, right? It's, it's so true. Sometimes it, you need someone from the outside with a different business card with a different logo on it that says you should think about this. So they're offering different perspectives, also sometimes the best practices on how to get things done. And the third thing uh, that I really like that he said is sometimes those outside voices can deliver these hard truths or bold truths about what we're doing wrong or what we could be doing better. 
Uh, sometimes it's easier to hear that when it's someone outside the family, if you will. Yeah, very true. <laughs> and I think we mentioned during the podcast is, yeah, that's very true in large companies. And oftentimes they have a lot of internal resources, functional experts. So you need that additional third party who has that right. point of view that can help help you identify maybe some blind spots. But medium-sized, small-sized companies also need that outside expertise because mm-hmm. if you're a small business owner like I am, you're doing it all. Right. And so to really tap into somebody who can bring in other experts for you and you know, or just being able to partner with you to really move through transformation faster right. for your company is really key. Yeah. Looking outside your own foxhole to see kind of what's, what else is happening uh, on the battlefield, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah so which helpful. is obviously a pitch for Jim's company because they do it very well. Yes, they do. <laughs> uh, okay. My fourth one was, I, I love how he netted out digital transformation. I mean, normally this question brings out five-minute discussion about all things culture and, and technology and everything. He said, you know what? It's about streamlining the, the customer experience. Uh, making uh, your products easy to find, easy to understand, and easy to buy. Yes. Love that. Well, it's, it, when he was saying that, I was laughing because I'm pretty sure that was your strategic framework when we were in the hotel site at Carlson. Close. Yeah. Easy to find, easy to shop, easy to oh, buy. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah. That worked well back it, then. It, you know, it, it, it serves the, the test of time. Uh, easy. I always say to my students, easy is the best four-letter word <laughs> in anything. Yeah. Well, I think particularly where we are today with all of us, now, all of us digital natives, whether we were from a way back or not, we're, we're, we have to be in environments that, whether we're shopping online or, or gathering research or in consuming content, it's got to be easy to absorb because yes. we're all expecting that now. And I think all of our, I'll speak for myself, patience has gone down if it takes too long or long for something to load. Oh, totally. I'm just not going to stay in the experience with that particular business or brand. Right. If you look at, you create these homepages on websites with all these elaborate uh, links and videos and images. The average person is hanging out on your homepage for about three seconds. Oh, so, you're kidding. Well, yeah, or something like that. It's like, you don't, we think they have all the time in the world, like they're going to curl up with us like a book on the couch kind of thing. And, and customers don't have time for that, right? So that easy, easy to find, easy to understand, easy to buy thing um, rang true with me. Um, my last one, Kath, had to do with this, this hybrid, this balance between slow and steady leadership with fast action. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't heard it framed up like that, but, you know, a lot of times fast action gets equated with a kind of a chaotic work environment, which is completely unstable. And you're like, yeah, you keep chasing different things back and forth right. and, and um, kind of like the Tasmanian devil. And I really liked how, how Jim talked about you need that leadership to be steady and to be consistent um, so that you can create an environment where you can move fast. It reminds me back in the days when I was a consultant at Lifetime Fitness and Baram used to always talk about. You know, um, think big, start small, move fast. Mm-hmm. And that think big, it, it takes a while to think big and to, and to look at all the aspects before sure. you start moving quickly. So I, I liked how Jim kind of framed that same kind of motto in a, in a different way where the leadership team needs to just be on, stay on board, stay on point. Um, we're going to be steady. We're going to be consistent. We're going to get there. And then you have the, the middle management and the, and the, and the rank and file just cranking out to get you to the finish line. Well, we've both been fortunate to have very good senior leaders over the course of our careers and those that can articulate where we're going to. Digital transformation, whatever transformation is, get me to this point. I want to be right. able to engage easily with all of my consumers in a digital space because we're moving everything right. into e-commerce instead of brick and mortar. Right. All they have to do is define that, give us the tools and resources and let us go. Right. Um, what I found interesting was his his comment, he was talking about the kind of the nexus between marketing and IT, marketing and product and IT. Right. 
and uh, at least in some of his experience, that IT needs to match the pace of marketing, which I thought was kind of interesting because yes. I'm a marketer right. by my roots. So yeah, I would always hope that I'm driving change. But I, I disagree in that sometimes in businesses, it is those technical individuals who are the innovators sure. or who are charged with it, and they see the new tools, and then they kind of have to drag us, the business people, with them. So it's a team effort, but I, that just triggered for me because of that. Well, sure, sure. It goes both ways. Yeah. Sometimes we want technology to move faster, and sometimes technology wants marketing to move faster. That's right. Yeah. And I think his key point was either use outside experts like yep. any of us, but also you, in today's world, you really have to evaluate the resources, that, the human resources that you have. You either need to help them upskill, uh, get new skills if needed, or potentially do some hiring to bring in new talent, because the world is different than it was 10 years ago. Right, right. Um, which, find my final thing I wrote down was around leadership and how you lead in today's world. One thing I wrote down was, you know, how you have to, all of us as leaders, whatever level you're at, we need to sustain the energy for change. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned, you know, I, I'm observing to myself or others, you know, we're just physically and emotionally tired, yet even though we're intellectually stimulated and right. have energy there. So for all of us, that's, that was a key takeaway is as we're now coming a little bit business back to normal, it's making sure we have that energy to go change and then lead with empathy. And then all of us as professionals is operate with curiosity, um, maintain that sense of curiosity. And if I could do anything in coaching individuals who are early on in their career, continue to want to learn more and improve your skills and just be curious, right. write things down, go learn right. something, listen to podcasts, listen to podcasts like in the key of D, read some book, totally. do what you're doing, but always continue to explore other, other areas because I think the pace of change is only going to continue to increase right. as digital is enabling it. And uh, speaking as an, uh, somebody who needs to concentrate on that, I'm not a digital native. It's right. how do you stay current yeah. and, and invest in that? Yeah. And, that's, and that reminded me of a point he said. Like he's, he said, despite the fatigue, there's never been a better time for the X, Y, and Z. Like all these things that are, we, it's almost like, that, that, like the prison break I was talking about. Like yeah. People are just so ready to do new things because they felt like they've been sort of held captive over the last 18 months. So uh, the appetite is strong. I can see why Jim is so successful. I mean, just mm-hmm. the way he shows up and how he's leading and how he's engaging with his clients to what he's calling digital transformation, but it's business transformation, putting the people and the culture mm-hmm. at the center of it and, and helping those teams work together to, to get to a new end. Cool. You know, Jim was a great guest. Thank you for bringing him to us. And as always, it's great to be on this journey with you. Absolutely, Kath. Hey, looking forward to the next one already. Thanks for joining us for this episode of In the Key of D, Using Digital to Transform Your Business. I'm your host, Kathy Hollenhorst. And I'm your co-host, Gino Giovanelli. And again, we would like to thank our sponsor, Creatus, who is making this and every episode of In the Key of D possible. To learn more, go to our website, creatus.com, that's C-R-E-A-T-I-S dot com forward slash podcast. And if you liked today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to In the Key of D and tell your friends. You can subscribe on any major podcast platform. Thanks for listening to In the Key of D. And now for the encore. Hold your applause, please. We can't leave without thanking the rest of our band who helped make this podcast really sing. Keeping us in the right key is rock and roll producer, musical polyglot, and recording wizard, Tom Forletti. All right, it's Forletti, but whatever. Helping us harmonize the web and digital elements is our content and marketing troubadour, Seth Conover. Our podcast coordinating conductor is Christina Sagar. 
Our theme song is written and performed by Marco Giovanelli, which is played, unsurprisingly, in the key of D. And last but not least, thanks to my partner in crime, who's been helping me stay on beat business-wise for more than 20 years, Gino Giovanelli. I'm Kathy Hollenhorst. Thanks for listening. <laughs>